Good morning. Today is Monday, November 15, 2021. I'm sure you have noticed how often the Torah tells us about siblings. Starting from the beginning, Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel, Yishmael and Yitzchak, Esav and Yaakov, Leah and Rachel, Yosef and his brothers, Moshe, Aharon, and Miriam. Think of how much of the Torah's narrative relates to siblings. Why should that be? So I want to share with you two unrelated answers, both of which have deep truth to them. The first is an answer given by Rabbi David Wolpe. And he explains that the Torah dwells on siblings in order to show the difference from one to the other, how different siblings can be. And this tells us something tremendously important about human nature, and that is ultimately our lives are shaped by our choices. Yes, there are differences in families and there are differences in circumstances. Some people have a more difficult road to follow. But the Torah teaches us that even when people grow up in the same family, where you would think there are the same influences, maybe the same parenting, the same circumstances are very similar, who they are is still who they choose to be. And this is a tremendous message of empowerment. And that, that means that you can overcome the most difficult challenges in your life if you believe in your own ability to forge your destiny through your choices. This is actually an ikar. It is one of a, the fundamental beliefs of Judaism. Bechira chafshis, the freedom to choose between right and wrong in any situation, regardless of environment. It can be harder under certain circumstances or less hard, but ultimately I am what I make of myself and I am not predetermined to turn out like the rest of my family. We do not choose the blessings we inherit, Rabbi Walpi says, but we do choose the blessings we become. Being born into a wonderful family is no guarantee of your success. And at the same time, a dysfunctional family background is tragic and with hard work, overcomable. Not just to survive, but to achieve greatness. Because ultimately, what we become is what we choose. So that's answer number one. Answer number two is very, very different, unconnected, but also extremely, extremely important. 
if you look at all of these siblings that I mentioned and think of others in the Torah, all of them fall on one side of a divide. That is, they fall into two categories and neatly into two categories, no middle ground. Either they are siblings who are able to argue without coming to anger, or they are siblings whose arguments escalate to anger and hatred. It's one or the other. There are no siblings in the Torah anywhere described as just getting along all the time. It doesn't happen. But by contrasting these two categories of siblings, the Torah is teaching us a crucial, necessary lesson and skill in life. And that is how to fight properly. So a few years ago, there was a great article in the New York Times. And the title of the article is, Kids, Would You Please Start Fighting? And it was written by Adam Grant. And he starts by telling the story of one of the most celebrated sibling pairs in American history, Wilbur and Orville Wright. Americans at that time celebrated their brotherly bond. They grew up playing together. They had been in the newspaper business together and they built an airplane together. They even said they thought together. Now, when the Wright brothers said they thought together, what they really mean is they fought together. They argued. They argued a lot. One of the pivotal decisions in their design of the airplane had to do with the design of the propeller. And they argued for weeks about what that design should be shouting back and forth for hours. They later said, Orville later said, after long arguments, we often found ourselves in the ludicrous position of each other having been converted to the other side with no more agreement than when the discussion began. Only after each one destroyed the arguments of the other did they dawn on them that they were both wrong. They didn't only need two, one propeller. They needed two propellers, each one which would spin in a different direction. But here's the point. And this point was made by their mechanic, who watched all of this unfolding. He said, I don't think they really got mad, but they sure got awfully hot. And that's the key. The skill to get hot without getting mad 
is critical in life. You know, we want kids to have a stable home. And if we're parents or grandparents, we try to stop siblings from arguing. We try to have our own arguments behind closed doors. And we think we're doing this for the benefit of the children. But it's not at all clear that that is actually helping them. Teaching children to argue is more important than ever. We need good argument in our society. Just for example, our legal system is based on the idea that arguments are necessary for justice. For our society to remain free and open, kids need to learn the value of open disagreement. And certainly in our world around us today, we need desperately for people not to simply accept what someone says because a lot of people like it on Facebook, but to question it, to argue with it. And it happens that there's a lot of research on highly creative adults who are successful in their given fields more often than not grew up in families full of tension. Now, I'm not talking about fistfights. I'm not talking about abuse, God forbid. I'm not talking about personal insults, but disagreements. Conflict. For example, their parents had clashing views on how to raise children different values and interests. Highly creative architects and scientists generally report more friction in their families. As the psychologist Robert Alter, Albert put it, the creative person to be comes from a family that is anything but harmonious. One with a Wobble. Wilbur and Orville Wright came from a wobbly family. Moshe, Aharon, and Miriam came from a wobbly family. There were differences in style. They were differences in substance. They argued passionately at times loudly at times, but without rancor, without anger. Most of the other siblings in the Torah do not manage that. Most of the others that we mentioned, Cain and Hevel, Yosef and his brothers, most of them do descend into anger and even violence. But we don't find any siblings who simply do not anger, who simply do not argue at all. And the problem is, if we rarely see an argument, we learn to shy away from it. 
But witnessing arguments, and I'm talking about healthy arguments, helps us grow a thicker skin. We develop the will to fight battles and the resilience to lose a battle today without losing our resolve tomorrow. For the Wright brothers, argument was the family trade. Conflict was something to embrace and resolve. Wilbur said, I like scrapping with orb. Children need to learn the value of thoughtful disagreement. Sadly, many parents teach their kids that if they agree, disagree with someone, it's polite to hold their tongues. But that's not helpful because that disrespects the other person's ability to have a civil argument. It disrespects the value of your own viewpoint and your own voice. It's a sign of respect to care enough about someone's opinion that you're willing to challenge it. Parents and grandparents can help by having disagreements openly, not trying to always present a united front so the kids won't worry. When parents disagree with each other, again, civilly, constructively, children learn to think for themselves. They discover that no authority has a monopoly on truth. They become more tolerant of ambiguity. And they come to rely eventually on their own independent judgment. It doesn't seem to matter how often parents argue, but what counts is how they handle the arguments that happen. Creativity tends to flourish, Dr. Albert says, in families that are tense but secure. Instead of trying to prevent arguments, what we should be modeling is courteous conflict and teaching kids how to have healthy disagreements. And here are four rules to start with. Number one, frame it as a debate, not a conflict. If you and I have differences of opinion at the dinner table, we're not in conflict with each other. We're debating a subject. Argue as if you are right, but listen as if you are wrong. You will never learn anything while you are talking. The only way to have a constructive argument is if you are listening and paying attention to what the other person is think, saying, not thinking in your mind of what you are going to respond, but listening as if they are right. Number three, and we've discussed this before. Make the most respectful interpretation of the other person's perspective. Don't assume the other person has a base motive for what they are saying or the position they're putting forward. Assume the most positive interpretation of what it is that they are saying. 
And lastly, acknowledge where you agree and acknowledge what you learned from that person. And even at the end of our debate, at the end of our conversation, we still have differences of opinion, but I still can come away with understanding something new or perhaps partially agreeing. Don't be stubborn. Admit what you have learned. Good families are wobbly. They might rock back and forth, but they never tip over. If kids don't learn to wobble, they never learn to walk. And they end up standing still. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.